Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Good afternoon and welcome to Engage for Success Radio show number 385, Inspiration and Tips on How to Build and Increase Engagement. Today we're going to be talking about how to increase engagement in your organisation. I'm Joe Dodds, your host for today. I'm an engagement consultant working within the Engage for Success core team. The Engage for Success movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there is a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. We spread the word about employee engagement and shine a light on good practice, inspiring people and workplaces to thrive. And we're widely supported across the UK involving the public, private and third sectors. If you go to engageforsuccess.org, you can use the link at the bottom of the page to join our newsletter list and all our social media links are there too. My guest today is Kate Isiche, who's global, a global internal comms consultant. Welcome, Kate. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thank you, Joe. Really glad to be here. Lovely. I'm feeling under pressure because you're a fellow podcast host. Here. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, I'm I'm new to the game. Only been it for months. So I'm a newbie. so tell us a bit about who you are and what you do yeah thank you joe um as you said i am a global internal comms consultant i've been in the consultancy game for about two years um full time although i did do some contracting and freelancing work before that so i've done quite a few permanent roles um senior positions for companies like aeon and sage medtronic and Infosys. Um, and EasyJet and uh, you know after a period of time about 18 years of working in these senior positions I decided I wanted to spread my wings a bit and provide more value to a wide variety of clients by setting up a consultancy which is where to look communications so I've had a great time really hard work um, you know building a brand from scratch and uh, finding clients and you know finding projects to work on but it's been so exciting and really speaks to my my values uh, my personal values you know to provide that distinct innovative approach to internal communication and engagement strategies which I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And how have you find found the difference between sort of being in-house with a position and, and sort of um, attached influence as a result of that with being outside of an organization going in to help you know what i think the difference for me is the autonomy so when you come in as a consultant you've got that autonomy you've got that gratitude you've got that freedom to be able to come in and dictate not really dictate in a bad way but dictate in a good way they look this is my view of your organization the way it's working the way that you're running internal communications engagement and this is where I think the gaps are you know and how I think you can improve whereas if you're a permanent um, person embedded you know in the organization it's very difficult to have that external viewpoint to have that external perspective and also to be able to have the autonomy to make a decision around what is missing um, and where the gaps need to be filled so for me mm-hmm. the greatest opportunity is having that perspective that external perspective and being given permission by senior stakeholders to present that external perspective yeah 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 interesting so before we started I asked you um what sort of things that you wanted to talk about in terms of um 
you know, thinking about engagement within organisations. And, and one of the first things um, you mentioned was about the whole concept of leadership visibility and, and the role mm. that that plays in engaging employees. Tell us more about your thoughts on that. Yeah, so I've been a real advocate of leadership visibility, and it's one of my key pillars as a consultant when I come into an organisation to support um, and to provide help for my clients, I look at the leadership visibility. And what we mean by that is just looking at how leaders in the organization show up, you know, how often they're present and how often they make themselves available and accessible in a way, not necessarily walk the floor, not necessarily made themselves available to a wide range of employees. Um, and it's so important for engagement to flourish, to have leaders who are willing to talk to everyone. When I, mean, when I say everyone, I mean everyone. So not just um, managers, people who manage uh, teams or people who are important stakeholders from a project's perspective, um, but also people at the, the lower levels, the lower echelons of the organization, very junior employees. So I've done quite a lot of uh, engagement initiatives and comms initiatives, which are focused on meeting very senior leaders. And when I say senior, I mean C-suite executives, CEO and uh, minus one direct reports to very junior employees, for example, those working in a call center, if the organization has one. So, you know, if you think about it, if you're working in a call center, you're on a rotor, you're on a shift pattern, 12 hour shift pattern or eight hour shift pattern or whatever it is. And you don't get a chance to see those leaders. You don't talk to them. You don't know who they are. You know, you might see them on a website or you might see them walking past um, a glass door but you don't necessarily have any idea what their personality is, you know, what their challenges are, what their priorities are, and also how they think you fit in to the organizational strategy. So for me, it's key for those senior leaders to have a forum, you know, a kind of a private forum almost, to talk to those junior employees, to give them the opportunity to have their say, for that to be listened to and responded to. So, yeah, I'm a real advocate of having leaders who are, um, acceptable who are who are time of their day. Let's face it, um, but you know to take the important task of um, talking to their their people. And where do you think the sort of um, issue, the the reason that that doesn't happen, sort of lies? I was um, many of us when we have conversations about sort of leadership in organisations spot that gap between the sort of senior leaders and the and the more sort of grassroots employees. And I was talking to somebody the other day who was saying that um, she was working in a distribution centre where the manager, the senior manager, has come and had conversations with her directly and she's seen changes based on the yeah. uh, the, the, the the things that she said. So she, she knows that, you know, when he hears the right stuff, he does something with it. But there's exactly. often a gap, usually a gap, between him and the, the people. I, I wonder sometimes whether it's the managers in the middle who are gatekeeping one way or the other. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I agree with you 100%. It's big to some extent. But then again, you know, I always think to myself, they also have a responsibility, not the gatekeeper, but the senior leaders, to pass those gatekeepers you know if there are people who are positioning themselves in that way and saying you know you must come through me first if I was a, a senior leader in that position I would say actually you know I, I appreciate the gatekeeping me I'm is you know precious I've got a lot of priorities but that is one of my priorities um, and I want to make time in my schedule to speak to I make it clear 
it. Often, you know, I go into organizations, the first thing we'll do is go to the chief gatekeeper, usually the EA or PA, uh, make friends with them very quickly uh, because they are pivotal in gaining access to the senior leader's schedule um, and getting time in their schedule to, to be able to position these initiatives that I often come up with. Um, and there is sometimes a reluctance to jump in because people are scared often of what they will hear. But, you know, the brave leaders don't care about fear. They'll just go in anyway and listen to what those um, have to And like I said, so right, I was happy you said that because I've seen it myself. You know, you do get that, um, you know, with this senior leader and they, a good senior leader, here's what they have to say and implement it. It's something that's well and it's something they feel will make a difference. After all, those people on the ground really know their stuff. You know, they're, they're, on, they're talking to customers, they're talking to clients, they're, they understand their business from the ground up. So it's really important that they listen to them and they, implement, or they act on, rather, um, the instructions or the advice that they they give them, you know, it's, there's nothing better than that, um, and it works really well in my in my opinion if everyone makes the time and the effort to do it. Yeah, yeah. I was just when you started and talked about people getting out there and being visible, it reminded me of sort of back in my days of um, retail early in my career where there was very much that emphasis on management by walking around, which yeah. the best was in my. Um, you know in my supermarket experience the best managers were the ones who were out there on the shop floor talking to the customers talking to the employees all the time how does that how does that now play into this virtual world that that most of us are in how how do you maintain visibility when you can't just go and walk around and see your people because they're all at home (laughs) yeah so interesting isn't it you know this whole remote working has turned everything on its head um like most things you know covid has impacted both negatively and in some instances positively. So it is that people have the opportunity now to work remotely as well as um, I think going forward, it will be a hybrid mix in office working and at home working or remote working, wherever that may be. So yes, it is more challenges because, you know, you don't have that serendipity and serendipity plays such a huge part in innovation and collaboration. You know, without that serendipitous you know, um, approach, you might go into a toilet, you might go into a kitchen to make a tea or a coffee, and you bump into this person who you haven't seen for a while, or you'll bump into the CEO, and, you know, you have a chat, because you've got no choice but to have a chat, um, you know, you're not going to stand there awkwardly in silence, um, if, if that's the case, and that's, that's, that's not really acceptable, you know, hopefully the leader would say hello, you know, make a comment, um, innocuous comment about what you were drinking or what you were making. And that's where the serendipity comes in, because you have that opportunity to have that ad hoc, um, off, you know, off the cuff Mm -hmm. conversation, um, Mm -hmm. which might, you know, be fruitful in some instances. So yeah, you're missing that with the world. So I've seen lots of different ideas around this, you know, and scheduling sky calls and pinging people and dming but again that's all very intrusive and also it's it's planned it's not serendipitous so it is it is a bigger challenge but what i see really well is video so i've seen particularly uh, normally quite sort of formal and a bit stuffy do really informal videos from home you know with the the mandatory bookcase you know in the rear where you you know you scan to see <laughs> you scan to see reading I also have one if, if the camera enabled you'd see my bookcase a strategic play behind my head um and and, and that opens up because you know there's an open 
Nando and perhaps a cardigan and, you know, maybe your dog running around in the background. And, and that sort of opens up. No serendipity, still opportunity to see the in a different way, um, action them in a more informal way. And well, in a few organizations that I've worked for, video is, is becoming much more prevalent, um, better way for leaders to reach out the entire organization. And it, it can be done so quickly. That's the thing that I found works so fantastic well. It's just that, it, you know, you have 90 seconds, one minute discussion, um, not necessarily discussion, you know, sort of putting putting some viewpoints forward. And then as a result of that, you would have a discussion afterwards, you know, on a forum, post it on Yammer or you post it on Workplace or some other social collaboration tool where you can continue the conversation and then the leader will pick it up, you know, at the next. A, a video recording he'll say oh yes I saw your comment such and such said this and I thought it was a great idea such and such said that it's not such a great idea because of this and that so yeah there are ways that you can you can you can try to um, emulate the serendipity I, but I personally don't think it's possible to to have that off the cuff off the cuff interaction but uh, yeah there are there are mechanisms still to make leaders uh, visible and available mm-hmm. Would it traumatise you to know that I read an article recently that said uh, you can buy um, bookshelves of, um, of books? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> doesn't surprise me one bit. I think I read something very similar. So there's just, just obsession now, isn't there, on Zoom calls with seeing what reading. I naturally have a full-on I actually read a lot, so uh, and I write a lot as well. So I, I have a, a, a real, for real bookcase, not fake. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, good to hear. <laughs> also missing those those moments of sort of, as you said, those serendipitous moments. Those are moments uh, around sort of new ideas and innovation. So on. how do we get people collaborating and 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 coming up with the same sort of output but in a different way yeah so collaboration is you know a real favorite of mine and it's such an enabler lots of different things around uh, honesty truthfulness transparency um, innovation relationship building trust building it's it's a huge uh, underrated um, facilitator for all of those things so Actually, the online world, I feel, lends itself really well to collaboration. So Teams, you know, Skype, Yammer, those are all tools that will enable you to have collaborative interactions with uh, various teams and with your colleagues if used in a certain way. So Teams, I think, is, is a great one for facilitating collaboration. And, and when I say collaboration, because it's a tool, it's a word that's bandied about so much, Really, all I'm talking about is the opportunity to interact with people from across the organization and not necessarily people who work in your area or your team, your department or your function um, or your part of the business. People who work for the business outside of your geography or your specific remit. So, you know, and the reason why collaboration is so powerful is because it enables great things to happen and I myself even as a consultant collaborate really um really well with my um with my network because it's it tends to be a fruitful way to um get great opportunities you know you can't no man is an island or no woman is an island 
Um, so, you know, collaboration in order to be successful is, is really, really important. You just can't do it on mm-hmm. your own. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that all of those online tools are, are excellent for collaboration. It has to be, um, should we say, what's the word I'm thinking of? It has to be not planned, but there's a word but there's a word that I'm thinking of where you're determined to do it. Intentional. Thank you so much, Joe. Intentional. Well done. Well done. Yeah, intentional. That's the word I'm thinking of. So, yes, it has to be intentional. So if you go in and you sort of think, well, you know, it might happen. If someone pings me, you know, I might have a discussion with them. It probably works so well. I think, you know, you have to plan it and say, actually, today I'm going to reach out to this person in Germany or to this person in France or person in a different department um, and see what can be done to um, you know enable mm. things to happen yeah in terms of that sort of whole global piece around collaborating I was talking to someone the other day about how there was such a, an emphasis years ago uh, about sort of cultural differences and, and being mm. aware of that in terms of collaboration and he, he and I were talking about it because I'd, I'd um, seen something um, where I got the impression that he was very punctual and liked people to be punctual and he was saying well I'm Spanish so that's not supposed to be the case is it and we were <laughs> you know, sort of um, having a, a, that sort of discussion and and yeah it used to be really prevalent in discussions a few years ago and I haven't really seen lots of it recently and yet given we're online and we're more global than ever um, I'm surprised what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree with you. You know, there was this real emphasis on cross-cultural communication, cross-cultural collaboration Mm -hmm. um, about sort of like maybe five, six, seven years ago, maybe even 10 years ago. And I actually went and did a a really great um, workshop with uh, an agency on cross-cultural collaboration. And, uh, you know, there was a a massive emphasis on it because organizations were expanding and and becoming more global. But, you know, I think the the world is so small now um, and people have become so used to working with people outside of their geography. I think Mm -hmm. anyway, perhaps I could be wrong, um, that maybe there isn't that necessity to have that focus on cross-cultural collaboration, um, you know, as mm-hmm. there was before. Uh, yeah. For me, it's second nature because I, I've worked in global organizations most of my life, of my career, um, and I've always been a regional head or a global head. So I've worked across typically Europe or EMEA. Um, and as a result of that region, I've had to translate into different languages, work with different cultures, travel those countries, Italy, Spain, France, Germany, etc. I'm so used to it. And in Europe is a really diverse region, as we know. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, you, you, when you're working in Europe, you approach your communication differently in France than you would in Germany. Um, and the UK, you know, you kind of get the feet down, you get, you get a sort of a, um, a sense of what needs to be done without really thinking about it. But perhaps it's different for those who haven't worked outside the UK. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, and I wonder if maybe that move online has, has, as you say, sort of smoothed the way a bit. People have got more mm. used to it, and we've just had to get on with it, and it's become more commonplace, and so there's been less focus on it. I don't know, it seems a bit too Yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, if you think about it, you go online, you know, it's so easy to talk to someone. I mean, I, I spend quite a lot of time on LinkedIn, which is a professional social media um, social networking site 
that most of your listeners are probably familiar with. Um, and I can create in Germany, in, you know, Nigeria, in Switzerland, in, you know, everywhere, Korea, China. Um, and it helps that they all speak English, which is wonderful for me, um, because I don't have, you know, um, a second language. So it, it makes it easy for me to collaborate with them. And they are so willing to embrace, you know, other cultures as, a, as am I. So I find it very easy and I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, mm-hmm. It's the favorite, the most favorite thing I love about being an internal communicator, working in a global organization, is that I yeah. get to talk to people outside of the UK. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've talked about technology, and and again, when we were talking before, you um, talked about the concept of corporate intranets and whether they're sort of still needed, still sort of um, as popular as as they may yes. have been before. I mean, we've got sort of platforms for communication now like slack and i don't know yammer and and you know as you were saying um the other i can't even think of the other one was, oh yes yeah and things like that so yes does, does that does that replace intranets is it in addition to you know what's what's your thoughts on that at the current time yeah yeah, I think that it's a place. They don't replace the intranet. The intranet still has a place. It's it's a case of the intranet's dead, long live the intranet. You know, it needs to evolve. So in most organizations, it hasn't really. It's, it's become this dead positive, you know, of old, relevant, out-of-date content that should have been shelved, you know, many moons ago. So I think it's the approach that needs to change to the intranet. And also the the um the way the intranet serves its purpose so before the intranet was a standalone tool and it was considered to be the digital um application for internal communication but now i think you hit on it just now when you said does it replace slack and yammer and uh, do, do, does yammer slack workplace um replace the intranet no it doesn't but the intranet can become the hub for all of those um solutions teams etc so it's, I, I say it's migrating to be more of a portal, a kind of an, a, an online employee experience platform that provides a gateway to accessing all the social collaboration goodies like Teams and Yammer and Slack, etc. Yeah. Um, the internet still has its place because you have to have somewhere to place your policies and your forms. There's always going to be a need for that. And there's no point, you know, taking that offline and saying, well, it's become paper, a hard copy thing again, because that just won't won't work. But the intranet now is much more than policies, a repository for policies or forms. It can be a collaboration tool. It can be a mechanism for um, building relationships and building your organization and also getting people involved in the strategy, but using other mechanisms to do that. So I see it as a portal. A gateway for people to access different tools um, in an easy way without having to faff around, you know, different sites. Yeah, yeah. So we're just going to the last five minutes of the show, and we talked at the beginning in the uh, title and the introduction about tips and inspiration for people to increase engagement. We've talked about the importance of technology and collaboration and um, visibility, leadership visibility. Um, What other sort of tips do you want to leave us with in the last few minutes of the show? 
Yeah, what I've learned from all of my discussions on my podcast, especially, which is Engagement Express, and I have a wonderful privilege of interviewing Nita Clark and um, David McLeod for episode nine. The thing that really sticks in my head the most is the simplicity um, that you, 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 you know, that involves engaging employees. It, it's really quite a simple thing um, and it doesn't need to be overcomplicated or um, difficult to achieve. It's the little mm. things that make them. So as I said, you know, making leaders accessible, making them available, um, making sure your employees are heard and listened to. It's one of the key pillars of Gage for Success, um, the Engage for Success report, you know, employees. Um, they still stand today and change. That was the, the, the thing that we were all laughing at, myself and, and David and Nita, that the pillar we haven't got to today haven't lost the age because they're still relevant, um, but people aren't necessarily doing them. So it's the simple things that count. You know, if it's tea and coffee, tea and coffee that people need a couple of gifts, you know, every now and again, some fruit, you know, what does that cost? Very little. But it makes such a difference to employees. Um, if it's artwork on the walls, you know, if the walls plain and boring, and depressed by, by the view when they go into the office, you know, what does it cost to buy some bright prints or jacket office with some nice you know, colourful spiritual? But it makes such a huge difference to employees. So what I would say is the simple things that make the difference, that move the dial in the direction, in the right direction, making leaders available, making them accessible, making sure that they understand that um, that in the floor is a pivotal part of their role. It's not something that can be put to the to the side, um, you know, if they're busy or, you know, they, they feel that their schedule is, it should be, you know, the core of the schedule, making time to talk to employees. Um, yeah. Making sure that employees are heard, that they have that up approach to communication as well you know, making sure employees are omnipresent. You know, it's really, really important. They're the people who run the show at the end of the day. So giving them that forum to share their views is crucial in my book. Mm-hmm. It's interesting what you're saying about sort of making the environment um, comfortable for, for employees. It reminded mm. me of a hotel chain, and I can't remember which one it was, that had um, vowed to make their back areas as good as the front area, you know, the, mm. the customers always get all the, the nice sort they of... They do, um, yeah, you're right. And that the back of hotels, you know, was all pretty... They're horrible, awful, aren't they, they, the back ends? Yeah, yeah I've, I've been yeah, in yeah, them. They, they're not yeah. very nice. Yeah, exactly. I, it'd be interesting to know how that then sort of plays into this virtual workforce as well, that some of those things won't be able to be done because people won't be in the office in the same way that they have been. And, and what sort of um, within organizations to, to sort of you know tick that box create those um uh you know nice experiences for their employees even though they're not going to be in in that office space moving forward yeah i've seen posts used um to some good effects so people have been sent out some really small um you know really you know tiny little gifts but actually and inexpensive gifts but actually really nice uh, tokens of gratitude yeah. uh, from leadership, yeah, like sort of a couple of chocolates or, or something yeah. in an old box, you know, it makes all the difference. That kind yeah. of thing, yeah. I think, has worked yeah. really well. Um, videos, you know, making sure that your your online presence is, you know, very tight 
enticing to look at um, and just, you know, ensuring that when people go online, they open up their laptop, what they see is good, positive, encouraging, encouraging things and encouraging sentiment, um, I think is is another thing. So, yeah, you cannot go into people's houses and make their rooms uh, look good. (laughs) But, yeah, you can certainly make the online world, um, you know, uh, pretty to look at, I think. Yeah, yeah. Lovely. Thank you, Kate. It's been really good talking to you today. Remind no problem. Engagement Express on all good uh, good um, podcast <laughs> platforms. Brilliant. <laughs> Lovely. Lovely. Thank you, Kate. So, to let you know that next week it really is Joe Moffat. I said it was Joe Moffat this week, and I got that wrong. So next week it really is Joe Moffat, and she's going to be talking with Karen Nataro about how to turn an event digital to continue building capability to enable more good days at work. So Joe will be back next week. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.